This is 90.7 WNCU's podcast, Subject to Change. On this season, we're looking into the state of life in Durham after years of pandemic lockdowns and a decade of downtown revitalization. Today's episode is part two of our series on the college experience in Durham. We're featuring two conversations, the first with an academic advisor at NC Central University, and the second with an academic advisor at Duke University. We explore how life for college students is different in Durham, how it's changed since the pandemic, but also in the decades since the Great Recession. We're starting out with this interview with our host, Shamai Cook. All right. Um, welcome, everybody, to Subject to Change. I'm Shamai Cook once again. I'm here with um, NCCU Academic Advisor, Mr. Byron Hartsfield, correct? That's how you pronounce it, right? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing well. Hope you are. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, so you so you s- talked about, you just said that you worked in the elementary and the middle school game right k-12 well, yeah so i worked in a high school a middle school and also served in a, su- a central office role okay we went through a pandemic through the past couple of years how how has your experience as an academic advisor changed that um i just started this role back in march okay. of this year um so i wasn't in this role but i can just imagine how it was um, on that during that time, um, I could see it being um, a very hard time for advisors, um, professors, instructors, everyone on campus. Um, I think it was a very hard time and it was a time that everyone definitely had to make a lot of compromises in order to um, keep keep everything going. So um even though I wasn't in the role, I can just see it being a time where there was a lot of compromising and a lot of extra work that had to go into play. Even myself being a college student, because um, I went to Winston-Salem State as an undergrad, okay. North Carolina A&T for grad school. Um, Sorry about the game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's prepared me. I mean, even I look at them through my lens of when I was a college student. Okay. So I look at some of the issues and some of the trials that I went through as a college student. Mm. And some of the things that I experienced um, on the academic side um, is prepared me for this role because I want to be a better advisor, a better mentor for the students than I was given at that opportunity at that age. Um, so it's definitely prepared me. So you just said you went to Wisdom Salem, you went to uh, um, A and T, both HBCUs. Yes. Both, uh, pro- both teach black people to be very successful. How has your? How do you think you are going to impact the students here at another HBCU, North Carolina, North Carolina Central, to be successful? How how has those resources that you got from ANT and Wisdom Salem going to benefit students here at NCCU. Right. So really just to teach them and show them, um, for one, sharing some of my experiences, sharing some of my successes, um, sharing these things with the students 
for one, it helps the students. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, um, from what I've observed from working long enough, um, students see you in one element when you're at work. But when you're, if they were to see you, for example, say in the mall, the mall mm-hmm. or in Walmart, they would see you in a completely different element. And so for me, having those experiences at my previous institutions where I got my education um, and coming here, um, it's just helping them to understand that, you know, education is important for one. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the key to the future. And if you are, if you take school serious um, and do what you're supposed to do in school, then you'll live a successful, happy life. You're listening to 90.7 WNCU's podcast, Subject to Change. Our host, Shamai Cook, is interviewing NC Central academic advisor, Byron Hartsfield. Now, I think things are starting to get somewhat or starting to come somewhat back to reality for the most part. Um, but it still is a different experience than what um, I experienced as a college student. Um, but what we try to do, and especially what I try to do, is even though things are still a little different, we want to be equally equally as effective now as we were even prior to COVID-19. So... You know, everyone has their own style of work, advising, um, but just making sure that we're as equally effective now as we were prior to COVID-19. I'm sure a lot of students are happy that we're in a better place now. But at the same time, a lot of these students who, which was their senior year Mm. and was supposed to graduate and still did, But they were just robbed of that opportunity to really rock across the stage and celebrate it the way that everyone else has ever celebrated it. So I think for those students, it's kind of like, you know, we're in a better place. We're still healthy. Everything is better. But I kind of feel as though I was robbed the opportunity to really enjoy my senior year. So. And, you know, that that can affect mental that, that can affect your mental health. So um, I think for those type of reasons, um, you know, whether it comes to graduation, um, graduations were missed. Prom was missed. Ooh, yeah. um, student athletes who may have been, you know, they wanted their senior year to really shine and be something special. They were robbed. They were robbed a lot of those opportunities, unfortunately. Yeah. So. A lot of those people, you know, I really feel for them in those situations. And I think they, they feel it the most. You know, like I said, those those opportunities um, and those moments, I mean, you know, they're precious to anybody. So not being able to enjoy those moments, you know, they're hard for anyone. So if I was to have a student, you know, who was dealing with that through that time, Um, I couldn't do nothing but understand where they're coming from. I have a younger brother who graduated, actually graduated here from North Carolina Central the year the pandemic started. So he wasn't able to finish his last year, his last couple um, months running track. He wasn't able to walk across the stage. So I can relate because it hit home. Mm. So, 
anytime a student wants to have a conversation about, you know, academics or maybe those moments that they were dealing with in the pandemic where they were robbed those opportunities, you know, I'm always open here for those type of things. What would you say to the incoming freshman students like Shmai, who's sitting right across the desk from you? You know, how, how would you recommend they come into to college and to this whole new independence and freedom kind of want to share with, well, with him? Well, Cole, it's still a lot. Well, I haven't, what I haven't noticed in college, it's a lot of freedom more than high school. Absolutely. And I, how do you think, like, how do you think we are supposed to manage that? For one, and this is this is something that I, I've always said um, in everything that I do, everything I present, with anything that you do in life, you have to understand your why. Okay. Why are you here? What is your primary reason for being at North Carolina Central, for being in college? To get an education. Yeah. To be successful. Yeah. So once you understand your why, everything else should be pretty pretty simple mm-hmm. because if you understand your why then you'll come to college you'll do what you're supposed to do um you'll turn in your assignments on time yeah. you'll make sure if you're not doing too well in the class you'll seek assistance in tutoring extra instruction um you know you'll do right by your roommate you'll provide a welcoming environment for your roommate, mm-hmm. you'll treat your professors, your instructors with respect, your academic advisors with respect. You'll definitely stand highly on integrity, and you'll do everything that you need to do in order to be successful. So understanding your why is the most important thing. The why is, okay. Why are you here? Why am I here? I'm here to get education. Yeah, you're right. And when you get education, where would that take you? Uh, hopefully to have my own talk show one day. <laughs> Whatever that yes, is, yeah. however that looks for you, yeah. that's where it'll take you. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think that's where a lot of people, we lose track of that sometimes. And we're human, you know. Um, we're not going to always be on top of our game. We're not going to always do what we're supposed to. But we always have to keep in the back of our mind our why. Why are we doing this? Once you understand that, you're good to go. All right. Thank you so much. For coming on Subject to Change, I'm Shemai Cook. The action never stops. I appreciate it. The advancement of music, arts, and culture. WNCU FM Durham. I'm Dr. Jules Odendahl-James from the Academic Advising Center at Duke University. And it is a lovely sunny day in Durham, North Carolina. So I've been with Duke Advising since 2014, but I've been at Duke since 2005. So formally providing advising, um, specific uh, support for arts and humanities students uh, in advising since 2014, but I've been doing just sort of general mentoring of students since 2005. So one of the things I'm, I'm interested in and kind of learning about, especially since you've been involved, you know, with students in and around students at at the very least, if not mentoring, you know, like you were saying, um, for, I guess that puts it at about 16, 17 years. Yes. 17 years this year. (laughs) 17 years. Well, congrats. I imagine (laughs) you have learned a thing or two about college students in that time. A a few things. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Although every there's a there's a set of things that seem to be consistent. And then I think a lot of things in the last five or six years that have changed and certainly changed because of the pandemic, um, but also just larger things that sort of ebb and flow and influence the how and the why people are at college and what they expect from that experience. That's so interesting. I, could you tell me a little bit more about that, you know, especially those changes in the last um, five or six years, you said? I think that there's an increased um, concern about not being able to move directly out of college into employment and into employment with particular kinds of expectations for that. Um, uh you know, certainly uh, schools have groups of students who are coming there with all different kinds of backgrounds, but almost everybody is thinking of college as a pathway to not more college necessarily, but into industry or into a kind of a regular career. Um, and that's often been, I think the anxiety about that has driven student choices. Sometimes uh, very specifically from the moment they set foot on campus. But oftentimes, you know, you sort of start out slow and you get to know people and you get to know yourself and you get to have some experiences in classes and they broaden your sense of what you think is possible or they change what you think is possible. And then as you get to your junior and senior year, you're starting to look, oh, okay, there's a next step that I want to start thinking about and and moving into that. And it has felt pre-2016, 2015, and maybe this is a false impression, but it's felt um, paced and, and that there's time to, to redirect yourself or to explore something and then not like it and make a different choice and feel like you're okay, you know, that there's support systems for you to put something new into place. And in the last five years, and I would say with the pandemic, even though there's lots of things that have been pointed out that identify sort of the need to go slower, the need to make more space and time for self-care, the attention to health and mental health and physical health that is really needed in these years in college, I think the outcomes and the pressure, whether self-imposed or felt by context, to get it done, get a plan, get on it, and really be certain about it has increased. And that feels more generally that people both want to be more gentle with themselves and understand that they're they're carrying a lot and they are influenced by a lot as they move themselves through college but the anxiety about having a solid place to land and really knowing that and really being ready uh to go after it and and make, put it into place has just sort of increased there's an increasing sort of sense of um i don't want to say anxiety that's too overused a word but that there's a necessity to do that um, and to know how to do that right away. That's so interesting. Yeah, I wonder how how have you seen that kind of intensity and, and pressure, you know, whether it's coming from other places or from, you know, from oneself? How, how have you seen that in students? I, 
it's somewhat in choice making um, that uh, if there's not a specific, like if I have an idea of where I want to land in corporate America, and not as it's not to slam corporate America, it could be nonprofit spaces. If I know where there's a sector for a job and I don't see classes in my curriculum that tell me exactly how to get there or that have exact, um, you know, sort of uh, topic resonance to it. Like I can't say that job will teach me how to do X. It feels very uncertain to sort of take a class that's not going to get me where I think I want to go. And the fact that you might have to make the connection yourself between that is also difficult because you kind of know where you want to go, but there's nothing that's told you how to get there or what's supposed to be the important parts. You're expecting kind of curriculum or experiences to teach you that. And yet you're going to have to shape those at the same time. And that's a difficult kind of mind frame to work in even as a grown-up person who's had lots of experience. I think for students who've kind of plugged in on a path to college with very particular expectations and things that they did and achieved, and it, and it sort of unfolded for them to move into the unknown, but still feel like this is an important, I could learn something here, I just don't know what it is. That tension is, is there's less tolerance for that. I, I feel like. Um, and this is, you know, from your experience working with students at Duke. So how, how have you seen those changes, you know, since 2005, but also since, um, you know, through your time specifically in advising? Um, I think for me, particularly because I, I uh, mentor and work with students in the arts and humanities, which are always disciplines that we both think of as really core to structuring how to think critically, how to think creatively, how to um, look at more than just the quantitative about certain aspects of life. But then they are also the subjects where because you can't quantify or because you want to look at a creative sort of thing, they are held in less esteem in a, in a trajectory of, of path towards, I'll say, particularly career, but that it could be anything. Um, I've been an artist. I was a student who started out as an undergraduate in an arts field, and I stayed in that arts field all the way through. So I've, I've heard it all. I've sort of experienced a lot of it from that perspective, it's hard. It's always been a difficult argument to make that this kind of learning or thinking in these ways is ultimately contributes to a lot. And in fact, we do without it at our peril. But increasingly, it is also harder to, um, to, to find places where, uh, that's really valued or you give yourself enough time because those expertise to take time to learn the same way that developing new software takes time to learn or working in a cancer lab takes time to learn. But we are very ready to sort of make a path to commodification for the lab and the tech um, and engineering and those things. Whereas, you know, creative writing or historical analysis or, you know, those dimensions of, of thinking through even philosophical questions of existence and belonging and identity, 
they're very important, but they they don't sort of show up in the same kind of way. Right. Um, let me reintroduce you here. We're speaking with Dr. Jules Odenhall-James, the Director of Academic Engagement with Arts and Humanities at Duke University. I'm Cole Del Charco, and this is WNCU's podcast, Subject to Change. Obviously, we saw after kind of the start of the Great Recession in 2008, a surge in the number of undergraduate students, which has kind of waned a little bit in recent years, is expected to maybe tick back up. But, you know, particularly for a student who is going into college at great expense to themselves, you know, who's planning on taking on a large amount of debt. How do you have those discussions with students who want to pursue learning in a way that maybe is not highly prized by society right now in terms of corporate influence or, or a big paycheck? How how do you have those conversations with students and how do you advise them? Oh, um, I wish I had, I wish I had, every student is different. I heard a student one time who said, I like what I'm doing. That means I must not be working hard enough. And I had to step back and say, my goodness, what does that mean? That that sometimes if you feel fueled by what you're engaging with intellectually, um, then it is a path to figuring out what is the thing. It might not be in that same discipline. You might not you know, I think the things that get associated with arts and humanities are artist or professor. Well, there's a lot of things in between that. And those two things might not be your end goal with that. But by engaging the practice, by finding the books you want to read, the thinkers you want to in, uh, understand, or that constantly prod you to think harder about something, having a, a personal practice like that, a connection with your community, a way that you see um, engagement across um, populations that have different, uh, you know, sort of are held to different spaces in, in your community and how to make things more equitable. If those are things that you want to tune into uh, and there are intellectual pathways to do that, let's figure out what those are and not necessarily judge them for whether they'll become sort of a part of your corporate portfolio, but that they'll be part of your personal portfolio, who you are as a human being. And if you can establish then some sets of values around that, can that be a thing that will help you if you want and need to move into any kind of workspace, education, government, uh, public policy, corporation, but that you can hold to a set of values and investments in thinking complexly, thinking creatively, and thinking with kind of humility of what you can know and you can't know. And, and that, again, sort of like having a space to have that kind of conversation and then also saying, okay, so what are you getting from this particular class? How does this set of knowledge or ways of working set you up for the next thing that you want to do? And not to think that every, and sometimes it could be, I just like thinking this way. I just like being in the presence of this professor. I just want to not work on this kind of problem, but I want to work on something else. Again, all of those things are about larger sets. They're 
they're kind of direct choices that you have to make to get through to graduation. But then the process of how you learn to think is bigger than graduation. And hopefully then that can be something that as I'm making bigger choices than just what classes I'm, I'm choosing and what major I'm going to do, I feel bolstered and attentive in terms of how, how I'm looking at the world. Right. So Dr. Odenhall-James, I wanted to ask you, you know, let's, let's kind of go back to a point you made very early in our conversation, which is that, you know, most people going to college are going for that economic advancement reason, you know, going for the economic stability. How, how have you seen that shift? You said you've seen it seen that change or the intensity in that pursuit change um, in the last five to six years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always been there, but it does it. There had always been a sort of like group of students who would just sort of say, I'll figure out that out later. Or, and especially not, I'm not coming into college with that sort of thing. I really want to explore. And that has diminished significantly. Um, it doesn't mean they don't explore. It just means that their openness to do it as sort of like the first ground when they get here, not not that is uncomfortable. Oh wow, that's so interesting. So you'd say there's a pretty pretty distinct difference there. We have a luxury at Duke is you do not have to come in as a declared student. You in fact are not allowed to come in as a declared student, and that is partly the institution's push to resist. As a first-year student, I should know who I am and what I want to do writ large. So you can't declare until you're a sophomore. But usually we've also asked students, like, well, what are you thinking about? You know, and do you you sort of pose it in abstract questions is like, do you have one major in mind? Do you have a few narrowed down? Or are you completely open? And the numbers of students who are completely open, and again, this isn't a straight-line trajectory, but it's been slowly decreasing in insignificant ways. Again, I don't know whether it is that they are firmly set or they feel that that's the perception that they want to give, right? That I know it all. I know what I want to do. I've got this figured out because that's a mindset that's probably gotten them to an elite school, you know, by having a sense of confidence and, and, and fortitude and, and foresight. So maybe those have necessarily to do it, but it is also marked because I certainly know my impressions of that from early on in my career, in this is early 2000s, was a little more sort of like, I have no idea and I've got to, I'm going to find it out in a variety of ways. What are some of the other changes you've seen in students since the pandemic and remote learning? Well, I think the the idea that students feel like their knowledge because they've had to adapt to new learning situations remote or you know self-paced and also just uh different classes availability so there's also this feeling of shakiness like i know things but i don't really know things um some students who come in in their very first year are very concerned like oh well i had that under pandemic times and so I might have gotten a good grade, but I don't feel confident in my learning. So that kind of push and pull, how they opt into things, 
which in some sense is good because some people are really, really assessing, am I doing this because I want to do it or am I doing it because it's expected and I have less affinity or less pull or drive to do those things because they're expected? Um, it's easier for me to just hang out with friends or sit in this room as opposed to I got to go to seven club meetings, which again, these are not necessarily all bad things, but they are transformation somewhat in student culture and participation so that sometimes even student networks to each other have shrunk and, and you just kind of find your two people and that's your that's your group as opposed to constantly pushing out into well I hang out with this group for this event or these these people when I do this kind of um, engagement and you feel tentative because there's been a lot of stop and start I don't know whether I'm going to invest there's a lot of calculation about investment personal investment time energy experiences and I think those two then when you're very calculated about that the desire to experiment or explore gets that sort of free for all of that gets taken away a little bit. That was Dr. Jules Odenhall James, the director of academic engagement in arts and humanities at Duke University. She's been at Duke for 17 years. Thanks for listening to our second part of our two-part series on the college experience in Durham. Our intern, who's also a producer and host, is Shamai Cook. I'm Cole Del Charco, the executive producer, and the general manager at WNCU is Lakeisha S. Freeman. Special thanks to Al Dawson for engineering help. Our theme music is by Joshua Mickens. We record our show here on campus at North Carolina Central University. And the show is made possible by the North Carolina Local News Lab Fund, 